0: Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, this is Levin's from the Serious
2: Issues podcast. Out the front of King's Comics, there's a massive line behind me. I'm going to talk to everybody in the line. See what's up. What's your name?
3: My name's Angelina. Nick. Glenn. Amber. Noel. Uh, Sergio.
2: I'm Brad. My name's Alec. Samuel.
3: Heather. Taylor.
2: Uh,
4: Pierce Edwards.
1: Uh, I'm Brody. Casper.
4: My name's Anil. Thomas Kuzma.
1: Zach Boswell.
4: Oh, my name is Max. I'm um, Shane. Uh, my name's Finn. Paul.
1: Uh, my name's Bianca.
4: Brad. Uh, Beatrice.
2: Cool. And what comic are you looking forward to getting your hands on today?
4: Uh, all of them. I like to collect all of them. I'm just happy to read anything. Cap. Uh, okay.
2: Captain America. Yeah. I'm
1: um, hoping to get Injustice. Uh huh. Um, Injustice, U two and U three. Some
3: Batman. Um, hopefully, Guardians of the Galaxy volumes. Yeah, quite a few. A-
2: any possible free comics that I can? You haven't got. You, you don't care what they are. It could be I like, don't care. What if they're all bad? Doesn't matter. I'll still read them anyway.
1: Uh, probably. I heard that there's a Grumpy Cat one. I know that's not really like comic booky, really, but. I kind of like grumpy I cat, so that'll be really cute.
2: There's like 200 people in this line, and I feel like you're the only person that's excited for the grumpy cat comic.
1: Yeah, and legend, and Legend of Korra, and the Serenity one.
4: I'm going to be picking up Street Fighter V and well, uh, and Sonic. Uh,
1: just uh, mainly Archie. I'm starting to get interest in that. Anything free? Anything free? Free, free is good. What if they're bad? They're free. They're That's free. Yeah, everything's free. <laughs> free is good. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some Star Wars ones, uh, Deadpool, and uh, Avengers? Uh, maybe one of the Captain America Civil War ones, or the different characters.
4: Rom Space Night.
2: Oh, yeah, cool. Did yeah. you grow up with Rom as a toy? Did you have a Rom toy? No,
4: it was long before my um, childhood, but I do recall it, and I've seen it um, like on eBay for like thousands of dollars, so I'd be pretty excited to see that. Well, I was actually interested in getting ROM. Robots are awesome. Who is the Black Panther? Issue 1. Captain
1: America. It's got the preview for the Spider-Man event at the back. Uh, Civil War, Street Fighter 1, Suicide Squad, Uh, what else is there? Worlds of Aspen, and One Punch Man. Um, maybe just a uh, Batman, or um, maybe the next volume of Suicide Squad, because I'm quite excited for the new movie. The Civil War and the Suicide Squad. Uh Suicide Squad. Um, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, I guess. Uh, Suicide Squad. To oh. Totally looking forward to Suicide Squad and Civil War. Yeah. What comic
2: book are you reading at the moment that you would like to recommend?
1: Suicide Squad. <laughs> Nightwing. Flashpoint. F- Infinity War. I'm um, really like Adventure Time. Death of the Family or Death in the Family. Probably the C- Civil War stuff. Maybe Secret Wars. That's a really good
3: one. I'm starting to read Thor again. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy at the moment. Yeah, just recently started getting into them and they're
4: really cool. I'm kind of into um, Grayson at the moment. I'm liking where it's going. I just... Yeah, I, I'm... Gonna be sad when it sort of wraps up and yeah. goes back to Dick Grayson being Nightwing.
1: I'm currently reading um, the Civil War comic. That, that's amazing. I mean, it's really sad. Um, different from the movie, obviously, but it was really good. Uh, action comics uh-huh. as well as Superman. Yep, and also the Batman run is also pretty good. I just finished the Stanley um, memoir. That was good. The amazing, fantastic one. Incredible. Stanley, yeah, that was good.
4: My recommendation would be for Transformers: More Than Meets the Eye. It's community meets Firefly with giant robots in space.
1: Well, there's this Deadpool comic where he slays the, the tries to slay the Avengers. I recommend that. That's very good. Definitely Batman Eternal. It's just such a great series and they keep adding new characters into the plot which is making it really good.
4: Um anything indie? I think um, all indie creators are under overlooked and I think they should be given the you know the
2: the exposure they deserve. What in particular which which comic? Um uh, Captain Canook I think is a great story.
1: Uh, I just started reading the first Black Panther from the beginning and that's amazing so far. So Like the one from the
2: sixties. Yep. Oh wow, amazing.
1: My dad has some so it's pretty cool. Oh
2: that's good, that's a good dad.
1: I actually gave up reading current comics to be honest. Because uh-huh. they're just so bloody expensive. Sure. <laughs> so nothing like
2: a day like free free comic book day to yeah, like, get yeah you back that's in right. the store.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I probably stopped reading new comics, current comics in about 2009. Uh-huh. So I focused my collecting interests on Silver Age and Bronze Age stuff.
2: All right, let's say that this is free comic book day in 1984. <laughs> what comic should we be reading right now?
4: Uh, probably John Byrne's Run on the Fantastic Four. Great run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading Avengers vs. X Men. I'm not sure what issue. But Are you
2: sure you want to recommend that one?
4: It's kind of bad, but you know, <laughs> I'm reading it for the sake of reading it. Because I like the Phoenix Force as well.
2: You want other people to share your misery as you read it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Black Widow.
4: Such a
1: good run. Chris
2: Sumney and Mark Wade one. Yeah, Yeah, I just read it. three threw that today.
1: Amazing. And
2: who's your favourite comic book character of all time? Superman.
1: Loki. My favourite character superhero is Deadpool. Uh And my favourite villain is Harley Quinn. Yeah, if I pick one, it'll be Superman. Uh, Probably Captain America. Supergirl. Flash. Mm, It's got to be Deadpool. Deadpool? Deadpool. As well, Deadpool. But... Deadpool with a pirate hat. Oh, actually, Headpool. Headpool? Who's Headpool? The disembodied head of zombie Deadpool. Batman, Spider-Man, Deadpool. Kind of like between Thor and Black Widow. Okay, cool. Or Black Panther. I kind of like him now, too. Oh, it'd have to be Deadpool. Deadpool. He breaks the fourth wall, which is really cool, uh, clever and funny.
4: Carnage, actually. Black Panther or Spawn?
1: I don't know. I can't choose between Daredevil and Black Bolt. They're cool. Yeah.
4: Probably Harley
2: Quinn. Uh, Darkseid or Thanos? Yep. Yeah. I think They're pretty it. interchangeable.
0: They are, <laughs> and I
4: love bad
2: guys. Um, bad guys are the greatest.
1: Um, I'm going to have to go with Batman. Just probably first superhero movie I saw. Which um, one was that? Batman Begins. Uh-huh. And then um, I used to watch the animated series when I was little and um, I've probably seen everything with Batman ever and it's just my favourite. Have you seen the, the
2: 1966 Batman? Yeah, with you
1: Jack Nicholson as the Joker.
2: No, no, that's, that's an 89 Batman. Oh, um, then maybe no, 1966 not. 1966 Batman, you should check that out. If Adam West. It, Adam yeah. West, you've seen that? Yeah. Okay, good. It's very different.
1: <laughs> Nate, Nate Gray. Okay. Yeah, uh, Age, Apolo- Age of Apocalypse version of Cable. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, Harley Quinn. <laughs>
2: probably spider-man
1: uh, i like like i like iron man Ah, uh, wait no uh, I, I like all of them
2: all of them oh no you marvel marvel you don't know, have to pick one just one
1: fuck um <laughs> i'll
0: go iron man
2: iron man uh aquaman aquaman
3: yeah <laughs> he's <Why>? my
2: favorite
3: <laughs> exactly right that's the response that i get every single time why
2: there's so many to choose it's really hard pick one man you got five uh, seconds i uh, i like adventure time Adventure Time does yeah. every
4: single character in Adventure Time. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: they're
4: all great. Yeah. <laughs> That's a toss-up between Swerve from More Than Meets the Eye and the droids that Darth Vader has in uh, the current series Star Wars Darth Vader.
2: Oh, you like the controversial droids that uh, want to harvest blood.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to harvest blood in today? We've got, you know... And- Plus it's great to see all these contrasting characters to C three PO and R2D2.
2: But so your favorite comic book character are two droids that have been in three issues of a Star Wars comic that started last year? Well Of all time.
4: They are my favorite characters for that series. Okay. But when it comes to my favorite characters of all time, it is Swerve. He's so relatable, I mean... He's a robot. Well, yeah, he's a robot who likes to just talk about community and TV shows. He spent one month of his life just studying all of human society from, you know, the the dark ages to now. And it's hilarious that he just goes through off all these tangents. His nickname in the academy was called Shut the Hell Up. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I, feel, I felt like saying that to you just then, no so I can, I can see why you find him relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Who have you dressed up as today? Uh, Wonder Woman 600.
1: <laughs> uh, Clark Kent slash Superman, picked up by Wonder Woman 600.
2: <laughs> Amazing. What's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Levins, my co host name is Siobhan. Hello. And every week we read a rapidly increasing list of comic book issues and let you know which are the ones that you should add to your pool list.
3: And you can pick up all of these issues at 310 Pitt Street, that's King's Comics or kingscomics.com.
2: Uh, this week in comics, The Punisher starred in a remake of Face Off. Alan Moore launched his new grind- Grindhouse anthology series, and we read a grand total of zero DC books. So <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> let's kick this episode off like we do every week by launching into our review of all the new issues. Uh, sorry, the new number ones. This is our uh, segment called First Things First, in which we tell you which new issues, new, new number ones, hmm. those brand new series, which is the good, the bad, the ugly, and the ones that you should be adding to your pull list in the future. Um, let's start off with the good.
3: Yeah. It was a big week this week of number ones. It was a
2: big week in general. I think we read like well over 20, almost 30, I think easily 30 comics this week.
3: Yeah. And then when you take into account all the free comic book day comics, I,
2: <laughs> my brain has fallen out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, please play, put, keep, keep Siobhan on your prayers this week. She, uh, she, she, she and everyone at King's Comics just survived one of the biggest uh, free comic book day days yet.
3: Yep, Yeah. I'm still recovering. Be very gentle with us for like most of this week because it was very... It was a big day, but we all had such a good time, and it was so much fun. So thanks to anyone who came down.
2: Yay! Um, you know what else was really good and fun? What? Great segue. Nice. Just, that segue yesterday was fun, but so was uh, Renato Jones, the one percent, the brand new comic, written, drawn, coloured, and owned by a Car Kyle Andrews.
3: I love him. I love that he made a big point of being like and owned. So
2: this is um, just a joy to read in every sense of the word. Car yeah. Andrews, is it Car? Is it?
3: Well, I don't know. I care. I, I tend to say Kare, but if, car-ay? who knows if that's correct? Um, if only there was some way for us to find this out. There's not like a Wikipedia
2: <laughs> that talks to you. It should be. I don't know. Maybe we could look up an interview with him where someone pronounces his name properly. Yeah, but then how sure. do we know? Um, so he's a sort of a infamous figure in comics. Mm. Um, most people would know him from doing a lot of. Uh, very, very well-known Spider-Man covers um, in, uh, yep. in, over the last decade and a half. Um, he wrote a kind of terrible Spider-Man in the future um, book called Spider-Man Reign. Um, but in the last few years, he's been doing some pretty well-received uh, short runs on play- things like Iron Fist. I think he did a Hulk run yeah, as well. Yeah,
3: he, he did a run on Iron Fist. Uh, I don't think I read his Hulk run. I first became aware of Carrie Andrews when he... Um, did an X-Men series with Warren Ellis. Oh, the he Ghost Box was, one. Yeah, yeah, the Ghost... Yeah, yeah. He did part of that and called like Xenogenesis and I remember just picking that up, having like not really enjoying Warren Ellis's run on X-Men, especially because I was so fond of what had come before it. But um, just like the art was so interesting and weird and like not what you would normally see in a mainstream superhero comic and I was very, very into it.
2: Uh, so this is his, I guess, like his first big creator-owned book and I mm. feel like it's you know it it, it must have been a, a few years coming because it it's just it just feels like such an event to read it this really this It um it's it's about a uh, a vigilante who was once poor comes into money in uh in suspicious ways but then he becomes a vigilante who uh targets the 1% yep the very very rich and uh makes them pay for their crimes by killing them hey. um, and this is a like ridiculous just absolutely ridiculous comic. Yeah. That uh has makes some, you know, pretty pretty clever points and has mm-hmm. a very interesting point of view, but for the most part it's just like it's just pure entertainment. Like it it's is just completely like completely unrealistic in every sense of the word and
3: crazy, crazy action.
2: Just um, so
3: good. And I love the like the some some pages are black and white. Some pages are full color. Some pages um,
2: are, are color advertisements that he's done. Yeah, there are just brilliant piss takes of, of, of comic book advertisements where like one of them will just be like, you know, like luxury. You'll pay for it, <laughs> Renato Jones. And then there's one beautiful one that's like a like a, a girl in lingerie lying on a bed. Um, and then it just says comic books for the super rich. <laughs> and that made me actually lol. Uh, <laughs> really good. You know, that that, that rare, we, we spoke about it recently, um, it's rare for a comic to actually make you laugh out loud, but yeah. this is a comic that definitely does that.
3: It um, absolutely does. I love the, like, ultra-wealthy tools that he's sort of skewering, but, like, to such an extreme extent, like, you know, the ultra-wealthy have got kind of crazy super serum yeah, powers and stuff like that, like, just really... Really it, yeah, awesome.
2: it's it's still a superhero book.
3: Absolutely, and I love that we get. I love the difference between the flashbacks and the sort of um, current storyline. Like you get his origin done in a really efficient, definitely exciting yeah. way. In and this it, issue, you notice and that
2: all the flashback pages are—it's been printed so they look like they're yeah, they're all creased. creased. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. best. Very cool. little It effect. seems
3: like a very old sort of kung fu movie kind of origin definitely. story, and it's all very revenge and vengeance-oriented, and I loved it.
2: Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where this series goes. This is a definite add-to-your-pull list if you like very over-the-top action comics with a, you know, a little bit of a different spin on that, that kind of genre.
3: Yeah, I didn't notice how many like semi-nude people were on the cover. Really? The rap cover is pretty... <laughs> and the tagline on the back is, the super rich are super fucked. Yeah. Nice. It's
2: very just, just a really fun, ridiculous comic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pick it up. Pick it up, definitely. Well done, Car or Care or Curry Kyle Andrews. You did good. You did better than your name was pronounced by me <laughs> just then. Um, we continue with the good number ones. Uh, let's talk about this uh, this brand new one, the anthology comic uh, that uh, is by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. I don't know how much they're, they 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 actually have to do with this because it it didn't seem like a very very like kind of well put together from a editorial kind of like, I don't Yeah. There was nothing, it kind of, it was very, basically what this is, is like a anthology series called Cinema Purgatorio. And it comes out through Avatar books. And, um, it says on the front, I don't, I don't know, actually, maybe they're just featured in it. Is it, it's not actually their, their book, is it? No, it is. Yeah, it's called Alan Moore's Cinema Purgatorio.
3: Mm.
0: Who yeah. knows?
2: Maybe he's very much behind this, but, uh, I think he's
3: probably picking, I think he's probably involved in choosing who he wants to be in the book, but, I doubt he has much more editorial influence than that.
2: And, of course, if you don't know who Alan Moore is, he is a comic book (laughs) writer. What are you doing listening to this? Well, no, I mean, like, I kind of... (laughs) I actually would now, like... I think I would find it refreshing if someone loves comics and reads comics all the time that has never read an Alan Moore book before. (laughs) Because, yeah, he definitely has written some of the best comics. But, you know, he's like... It's that comic book 101. It's like, you know, someone recommends three books to you. Inevitably, The Watchman is going to be one of them. And The Killing Joke is going to be the next one. So... Uh, but he's, you know, hasn't really been making that much, that many comics in the last few years, and he
3: hasn't made anything that good in a long time.
2: Controversial,
3: I would argue, since maybe like the second League of Extraordinary Gentlemen book, I don't think I've really enjoyed anything that he's put out. Sure, and he is like an old crazy crank now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He definitely writes more about why comics suck than he does write actual comics yeah. these days. <laughs> yes. um, so this book is an anthology. It contains stories by um, Alan Moore, obviously, Garth Ennis, Kieran Gillen, Max Brooks, um, and Christos Gage. Uh, and then you have a, 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 a whole swag of uh, of uh, artists as well. Um, but what I found, like, basically it's loosely kind of tied together. They're all kind of, I mean, I said grindhouse at the beginning, but they're not quite grindhouse. It's like, it is, you know, it is basically a collection of odd stories. Yeah. Um, with the writers perhaps writing a little larger than life than what they normally would. Um, yeah, absolutely. Not so much Garth Ennis, but... Uh, no, I thought
3: that was quite restraining for Garth Ennis. <laughs> I really enjoyed it.
2: Um, I... The only biggest problem I have with this comic is that you only kind of get six to eight pages of all these ongoing stories. So it isn't really enough. I mean, especially in um, the case of the Max Brooks story, um, which is, uh, I guess, the beginnings of a war story. You Mm. kind of just get introduced to the characters and then it ends. So for a lot of these, they look good and they're written well, but they don't really bait you in any way. Uh, I I really enjoyed the complete ridiculousness of the um, Christos Gage story at the end. Oh, um, yeah, that was really fun. With all these uh, fantastic monster hunting. Big kind kaiju of, kind of stuff. Yeah, very fun. Um,
3: I really, I, I think this is a good one. Dare I say it, I think this is a good toilet book. You know, you could come in and you could read one of these six-issue little stories just during a visit and it would be a, <laughs> a delight. Visit. I think that because I, I, I sort of picked it up and put it down a couple of times and read it over a sort of period of time, I really, really, I really enjoyed each of the stories. And I'm really interested to see how they all turned out.
2: Right, so I read it all in one go. So maybe that's why I found it a bit, a bit frustrating. Um, you know, I also really and not during a visit.
3: <laughs> I'm not saying I read it on the toilet. I didn't. <laughs> it's but out there. I'm just saying, you, you know, it it's up there with like strip comics. Sure, it's it's, sure. Like, it's, the, it's uh, the far side. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I really liked the um, the fake ad at the beginning that says like screen regrets, and it has a picture of an aged marilyn monroe and it just says sometimes i wish i was just dead Very good. marilyn monroe
2: um also probably the strongest thing in this i didn't even mention it is the um is the uh, alan moore comic and written drawn by kevin o'neill yeah
3: holy moly kevin o'neill is still great
2: yeah um and uh kevin o'neill of course is actually the artist on league of extraordinary Gentlemen, yes he is. Right? so yeah,
3: it's fine. nice to see them working together again
2: so this is a, a take on like a silent movie um, and it's a very dark, silent movie. It <laughs> yeah. kind of uh turns into like a just a confusing amount of mayhem, but uh, it's just very well done and um, very unlike anything else I read this week or mm. or anytime in the last few reads of. And, and, and I've never read like anything like this in in a, in a previous visit. <laughs> um, so let's read. Well, let's talk about reading uh, King's Quest number one. This one came out through Dynamite. It is the uh, coming together of uh, a lot of. Older superhero figures that perhaps uh, you would not really read in comics these days. It's uh, the second edition of, of a story featuring the characters Flash Gordon, Mandrake the Magician, Prince Valiant, the f- and the Phantom, um, and
3: Jungle Jim. Turns jo- out,
2: yeah. Uh, so these guys all came together in the first series of King's Quest, um, which was written by Jeff Parker and very well received. Uh, this one is written by Ben Acker, who's probably most still most even though he's been writing comics for a while, he's probably still most famous for. Um, creating and being behind the podcast and live show the thrilling adventure hour oh. which is like a live radio play kind of uh, format podcast which is really mm. really fun and entertaining um there's a lot of like kind of like their take on like old radio serials so in a way oh, quite fun. perfect person to be writing these kind of legacy characters yeah um that said i found this the book like while good for such an ensemble of, uh, of characters That are You know So famous In their own right It didn't really give Any of them a moment To shine
3: Yeah that's true Because I quite I quite enjoyed this I was quite sort of Lost Like there's two phantoms There's I don't really understand how they all exist in the same yeah, universe. Yeah, I, I didn't
2: actually... I, I don't think either of us read the Jeff Parker one. No, but... Um, but I, I don't I, know how much of that actually carries into this. I feel like we are being thrown in the middle of a story and I feel like over the next few issues, we'll work out what, what how they got to that point. But mm. yeah, look, it's it's a pretty good first issue. Yeah,
3: I enjoyed it. I think they did a pretty good job of like... like I, Even though I was a little bit like, oh, I don't quite understand that. I didn't really care. And I quite... I think they did a good job of introducing like The female phantom and like what their mission was and yeah quite
2: enjoyed it yeah yeah there's a a female phantom right now and mras all over the world aren't even writing about it because no one cares about a phantom
3: (laughs) there's a a black phantom and a female phantom where are the outrage no one gives gives a a shit i care i care (laughs) care. it's it's cool i'm into it
2: yeah so i'll be i'll be continuing reading this king's quest number one uh pretty fun series especially if you have any interest in seeing what a modern take on uh the phantom flash gordon mandrake and even yeah, Prince Valiant. I don't think Prince Valiant was in the first run of King's Quest, but I could be very wrong. Yeah, weird. I think it was just the trio. Um, cool. Um, should we talk about these Marvel number ones? Might as well. What are they? What
3: was good this week? Punisher number one by Becky Cloonan. Very, um, and highly anticipated because Steve Dillon is back drawing.
2: Yeah, Steve Dillon, probably one of the most famous Punisher artists. Um, he was on, on, when Garth Ennis first started writing Punisher with the Welcome Back Frank arc. He wrote a great deal of that. Um, he wrote a bunch of one-shots and other little um, series later on. And then he also famously did the uh, Punisher Max series written by Jason Aaron a few years, years ago as well. So he's, I mean, I know a lot he's of people... very iconic. A lot of people don't love Steve Dillon's art. I do. I think it's really awesome. And it's You know, but people think it's overly simplified and I guess all the all the characters kind of don't really look that realistic.
3: I think some of the faces in this were really good. I was yeah. quite... It's, well, it's,
2: its It's so stylized. I love it. But um, yeah. yeah, well, he's,
3: he's a guy with, a, like, he he has a specific style, you know, and you, I guess he's one of those people that you either like or you don't.
2: No but, one no one draws an evil smile quite like Steve Dillon.
3: Absolutely. I think he's very, he sort of reminds me a little bit of, like, Doug Mankey, where you can draw some really weird, horrible glint in someone's eye somehow um, really perfectly. But I think he suits, I think he suits The Punisher. I think that, you know, his work on Preacher was amazing, and he's just one of those artists that works really well for specific stories.
2: Yeah, um, this is a by-the-numbers kind of Punisher beginning story. Mm -hmm. You have Punisher taking on a gang at the same time as uh, the feds are taking on this gang as well. And of course, Punisher beats them to it and takes out the gang before the feds even get a chance to go near them.
3: It Um, is interesting because it's a Punisher book where you don't hear the Punisher talk at all.
2: um, Which is exactly what... Greg Rucker did on his Punisher run a few years uh. ago. But, and everyone made such a big deal on how the Punisher doesn't really talk in this comic much. But no one's really kind of made that big of a deal about this. It just yeah. kind of... You, you, the, the, the comic just kind of plods along. And then you at the end of it, you go, oh yeah, Punisher didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think they're probably... Um, a, a little bit of this comic was probably Becky Cloonan just trying to show... I can write a straight up Punisher comic, you know, like just you're in safe hands. If you're a Punisher fan, this is, you can expect this. I expect like really good things from this comic. I haven't really, I don't think I've ever actually read a Punisher comic from start to finish. This might be my first one, but yeah, I really enjoyed it.
2: Um, If you are a Punisher fan, you are in luck because quite soon on uh, serious issues, we're going to be doing an all Punisher episode recommending you the best uh, arcs to read. Maybe even get, get Siobhan reading some classic Punisher runs. Ugh, Matt, right. Matt from King's Comics is, a, is one of the biggest Punisher fans we know. And we're Matt's gonna been use trying his, to
3: force me to read Punisher for like so, so long. I
2: love the character of the Punisher. I especially love him when he interacts with other characters in the Marvel Universe. And I don't think we're going to be getting at much of that in this comic. We do in another comic that we'll be talking about mm. later in this episode. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, I think this is a, a fun comic. And uh, if, if you were worried that this is a bit too straight, don't worry, you do get a very goofy... Gross out villain at the end of this com- at the end of this issue.
3: Yeah, that was pretty fun.
2: Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to where B- Becky Cloonan takes this run. I think it could be could be one of the, one of the one of the greats. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about more Marvel number ones later, but there's a few good comics we have to get through first. <laughs> it's a teaser; they were not very good. Um, let's talk about another Valiant event. Two weeks ago, we talked about
3: what was it called? Oh, I've already forgotten. I've already forgotten. <laughs> it was another another uh,
2: Valiant event written by Matt Kent. Actually, I can tell you because it's a uh, advertised at the back of this one here. The event was called Divinity. Oh, there we go. Um, and uh, it was written by Matt Kint. And this event is called 4001AD. And it is written by Matt Kint. Uh, drawn by Clayton Crane. And also some extra art by David Mack. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, did you read this one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, great. Um, but
3: I had to give it back because we sold out of it. Oh, damn.
2: <laughs> go Kings. Um, order more Valiant. Valiants. Valiants, I, I feel like a fool for not reading more Valiant comics. It's been so fun. This is real, really, really great stuff. So. Yeah. Um, this one features, uh, a few valiant kind of legacy characters. The main character is, is it Ray or Rai? Do you know? Who oh, I it?
3: actually don't know. I would assume Rai.
2: Um, and, uh, Matt Kent has been written that solo series since it launched a few, uh, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, is set in 4001 AD and, uh, involves, uh, the city of New Japan, which is a city that orbits the, w- uh, orbits Earth and, uh, <clears throat> is kind of run by a, uh, uh like a robot f- who is known as the, the father. Um, and, uh, he decides to, he gets infected by, with a virus and, um, decides to start jettisoning different parts of new Japan back down to earth and killing lots of people to do it. So Ray, I was gonna say Ray, should I say Ray? Yeah. Whatever. Ray and, um, different people from, Exo uh, Mano War, that, mm-hmm. that, um, Valiant book, um, make their way to, to kind of take on father and look it's a fun it's a really really cool big scale event that's definitely going to cross over into a lot of comics that I don't read but I feel like Matt Kent is skilled enough as a writer to uh not make it too confusing to to read if you are only reading this 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 event
3: yeah absolutely really good Um, fun really good space and just another
2: another valiant comic that makes me wish I was reading more valiant comics so I will rectify that dear listeners Siobhan you told me to read this one
3: yeah so every I feel like Every year we get a new Beasts of Burden one-shot. Beasts of Burden is a long-running series from Evan Dorkin and and Jill Thompson.
2: I've never heard of it.
3: It's so crazy. I love this. Um, It's one of the few Dark Horse comics that I do regularly pick up. It's very Dark horsey. It's sort of... um, I think it was originally pitched as like a the kind of famous five for animals kind of thing, except it's very magic based and can get quite gritty and gory. So it's all about um different animals who live in the town of wherever. Burden Hill. There we go. <laughs> Burden Sorry, Hill. Burden Hill. I knew it was like Burden something. Um and they serve a heroic gang of dogs and cats serve as paranormal investigators. So this was a fun one that focused more on the cats of the town, referenced a couple of stories that have happened in the past, um, but was just a really good, sort of spooky horror witchcraft story. Yeah,
2: so you imagine uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch without all those damn witches. Yeah. Um, and so you have the. But like, like the
3: current Robert Hack. <laughs> yeah, that's Sabrina right. The, the Teenage Real, Teenage much darker Sabrina <laughs> the Teenage
2: Witch. But uh, what's the name of her cat again? Salem. Salem, who, um, which is her familiar. Yes. Um, so you, you have a, a story told from the, the view of these cats who are the, who are the familiars of witches and um, them dealing with spells that they've tried to, uh, you know, uh, practice themselves in the past. And that comes back to bite them in the butt.
3: And this is like, um, I don't think that uh, there was another artist involved in this called Sarah Dyer. So you can tell that it's not... It's not a hundred percent classic Jill Thompson, you know. There's a little bit of the detail that I think Jill Thompson usually brings to this, which is kind of missing. But it's still got her really beautiful watercolors the whole way through, um, and I loved it. Yeah, so such I- a fun issue, such a treat every year when we um, get one.
2: While Siobhan has read every issue, I've not read any issue of this series. In fact, I'd never heard of it. So, um, <laughs> but I was able to enjoy the story. So, if you, I don't know, if you're looking for a fun, dark. Um, magic comic mm-hmm. while black magic takes a hiatus while uh, they work on uh, Wonder Woman uh, Beasts of Burden might, might, might fill that void absolutely um,
3: and you can get a really great I'm, um, I mean I probably should have checked this before saying it but there is a really great hardcover edition um, which collects most of Beasts of Burden which I'm pretty sure you can still order at kingscomics.com so definitely check it out
2: you also get a little preview in this comic of uh, another comic coming out soon through Dark Horse called Weird Detective which looks really cool by uh, Fred Van Lente yeah hmm Oh, I'm, I'm, cool. I'm excited so Dark, Dark Horse is celebrating I think, 25 years 30 years 30 years same, 30 as, years. Kings. same as kings happy birthday Dark Horse <laughs> uh, this year and they're, they're really making I mean obviously after the losing Star Wars comics the mm. year before last they've you know they would have had a big chunk of their buying market yeah. gone so uh, it looks like they're really kind of trying to fire on all shots when it comes to creator and stuff and also different licensed things mm. obviously pushing aliens a lot but uh, I'm excited for what Dark Horse do this year yeah absolutely Let's talk about a very fun comic, another one that Siobhan made me read. This one is called Space Battle Lunchtime, and uh, that should be enough to uh, give you an idea that this is a very fun comic. Um, It is about a small-town baker uh, who lives on Earth, and uh, she just makes creative cakes, even though she's not really meant to invent recipes on the job. She works in, like, this cafe. And then she's visited by aliens who uh, ask her, after seeing her cakes... She says she gets asked, "What do you have? What it takes to be the greatest chef in the galaxy?" And uh, she says, "Absolutely!" And then gets beamed into space. And so we finally have a like a baking battle set in space comic, the one that we've all deserved for years and years.
3: It's like my favorite um, TV show of all time is The Great British Bake Off, and so this is basically like intergalactic Great British Bake Off, which I am very excited by.
2: Um, this is written and drawn by Natalie Reese, um, who I've not heard of before. No. But uh, this is, her, her art looks very familiar. I'm sure I've read like a, a strip or something by her.
3: Yeah, the she seems like sort of, um, this is an only press book, but you would be fooled into thinking it was a boom all ages book. It sort of seems to fit in that stable of things. I think.
2: Yeah, but uh, look, it's it's an ongoing all ages, very very fun and quick, brisk to read. Like you can mm-hmm. you can easily smash this issue in like three minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which isn't it isn't always a bad thing. I feel like this is like you know definitely one that lends itself to being reread. Absolutely. Throughout different parts of the year. Um, if you uh, bought Goldie Vance on our recommendation a few weeks ago, you would also really love this comic, which is called Space Battle Lunchtime. Go pick it up. Absolutely. We'll be talking about it each issue comes out. Finally, we have Weavers, and this is the last good, good first issue yeah. we read this, this this week.
3: And we've got some doozies. Um,
2: this is on the uh, wasn't wasn't great, um, but uh, it, it was, was still pretty good. a pretty pretty promising start to a very strange comic. Mm. Again, just like I was talking about with with Dark Horse, I feel like Boom are really going to have a really great year this mm. year too. Um, Goldie Vance is a Boom book. Um, and uh, a few other ones that we've talked about recently have been Boo Books as well. Mm. Uh, and this is a, uh, a story, almost like a mob story, except uh, like where you have like the kind of very fresh new, new guy that's been made a, a member of the mob that needs to prove himself um, and no one trusts him. Except everyone here has like weird, different manifesting spider powers. Uh, and it's super fun.
3: Yeah, it was really good fun.
2: Uh, the powers themselves are very, very weird. Our main character can kind of make this, like, weird tentacle thing, Mm. kind of, but it's like it But he can, like, explode people people or something. Yeah. Very Um,
3: ill-defined powers, but quite sort of cool-seeming.
2: Yeah. And uh, this is is only going to be, I think, a four-part series, so uh, it should be be a fun little read.
3: I'm definitely... (laughs) The fact that it's a four-part series makes me, like, way more likely to continue with it. <laughs> That's because two. we read 30 issues. Oh, my God, I Of the comics that. this week. Yeah, it's really um, crazy.
2: So, one, so, there are six issues. One of six, is is. Ah, cool. Um, still good. Still good. So, this is written by Simon Sperrier, who's done great work at Marvel in the last couple of years. And uh, drawn by Dylan Burnett. Um, Who and I don't it, know. It's called Weavers. Go, mm. on, go and check it out. It, actually, I really like the art in this.
3: Yeah, it's very moody, very, like, dark ink. Sort of, the powers are very intentionally mysterious and um
2: yeah and very in line with like some of the kind of edgier um cartoonists working at marvel at the moment too yeah absolutely yeah, yeah i like it yeah if, if you're enjoying like kind of the more kind of modern takes on superheroes that marvel are doing this would fit very nicely in your stack absolutely weavers number one all right, so that was the good part of First Things First. Now we move on to the bad. Oh, goodness. And these aren't terrible. They're just, you know, they, they, they weren't that fun to read. Um, yeah. They're both Marvel books. Don't worry, we've got an ugly section. Later. <laughs> yeah, Neither of totally. those books are Marvel. But goddamn, are they ugly. <coughs> um, so uh, Thunderbolts number one. Uh, we've mentioned this last week. This is uh, the new comic starring Bucky Barnes and the original lineup of members of the Thunderbolts team um, from when Kurt Buzek started Thunderbolts in the 90s. Uh, it's written by Jim Zub with art by John Mallon, and uh, it is very, very '90s.
3: Intentionally, so I would assume everyone looks like they were designed and a little bit drawn by Rob Liefeld, except maybe with some more feet. But um, <laughs> it's not like it's. I, I'm choosing to take that as like an intentional.
2: Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It, it, it just it feels very '90s in 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 every way. There's a lot of head socks. Definitely, and. Uh, the dialogue is strange. I've never seen Bucky talk like this yeah, before. Yeah, since
3: when was Bucky like a sort of moody...
2: Well, he's always been quite... He's always been like dark and kind of a little bit... I guess a little bit moody, you could yeah, say. But, but, yeah, but... But like he's been soft-spoken, you know what I mean? He's less words, more actions kind of guy. And this one is like... Talky, trying to lead this team of, of never do wells.
3: How creepy is this panel of him hugging hugging the cute oh, yeah. child? So, so
2: the, and, the, and the lineup is completed by Cubic, who is the six-year-old female version of the Cosmic Cube that we saw in the Pleasant Hill Standoff um, mini-series that we just finished at Marvel. Um, and she is this like weird cosmic, like little girl that tr- just wants to impress everybody, but has more power than anyone else in the world. Um, and it, end, it ends in the dumbest way possible. I'm going to spoil this just because it is so fucking stupid. It was very stupid. silly. Uh, so you've got Moonstone in this, who was previously a bad person, but tries to do good in the Thunderbolts. And um, she questions Bucky's authority and um, says, you know, I'm more powerful than you. I should lead the team. And then um, uh, Bucky says, well, it seems to me like the Moonstone is powerful and therefore anyone who holds the Moonstone would be the most powerful. Um and Moonstone says, "Well, I dare you take the mo- take the stone, and you can lead the Thunderbolts." And um, then Bucky kind of says, "Like, oh, I'm not going to do that." But then Cubic, the little girl, goes, "I'll do it!" And then rips into uh, Moonstone's chest and rips out the Moonstone, blood and all. So the last panel is Moonstone lying on the ground flat with a massive hole in her chest, blood everywhere, while Cubic holds this little stone. With a massive grin on her face and yells, ta
3: da! And now she's wearing Moonstone's <sighs> outfit.
2: Very, very stupid.
3: So, if you really miss the 90s and you're like, man, you know what? I wish there was more like Rob Liefeld style stuff out there. You should absolutely check this out.
2: I just, I mean, I really love the character of Bucky and I don't understand why you would put him in this. Like, I understand him in a Thunderbolt's yeah. team, sure, but like, I just, this is not He's the He's pretty opinion.
3: 90s, you know? Like, he has a metal arm. That's pretty 90s.
2: Okay, sure. I mean, like, his <laughs> mannerisms and character is, like, you know, he's nuanced. He's
3: Absolutely. And, and this is a very, like, every character has the same voice in this a mm. little bit. All of the Thunderbolts are just kind of sassy bad guys painted exactly. with the same brush.
2: Um, and, uh, you know, especially coming off the back of Civil War, where Bucky, you know, is absolutely, like, that's the most mm. we've ever seen him. Like, that, that version of the character is nowhere to be seen on these pages.
3: It does seem like an odd choice.
2: Anyway. Anyway. Thunderbolt's number one. Not for me. Not for me. Um, Then we move on to another Marvel book We mentioned him earlier The Punisher had a new number one this week It was Daredevil slash The Punisher And uh, where maybe Thunderbolts with Bucky Barnes Is kind of cashing in on the success of Bucky Barnes In The Winter Soldier and um, Civil War Uh, This team up, The Daredevil and The Punisher Is obviously um, hot on the heels of the second season of Daredevil on Netflix Mm -hmm. Uh, So we get them teaming up again They team up a lot, Daredevil and Punisher They're good friends There have been some there've been some interesting thing. And again, this is like, I may have described Pun- the Punisher comic by Be- Becky Cloonan is by the numbers Punisher. And it is somewhat, it like, is. definitely some, some, some like common themes that you've seen before. Mm. This is like literally like, this is just feels like every daredevil in the Punisher story I've read before. It's the same, same contrast to ca- the same conflicting yeah. kind of, you know, views on the world. You and, kill
3: people and I don't cause I'm Catholic.
2: Yeah. He's not Catholic anymore, did you know that? I, they, someone
3: told they, me that and I was so exhausted, I just stopped listening. <laughs> I mean, I'm,
2: I'm not reading Charles Sewell's Daredevil because of the status quo that they, that, that's that been given to Daredevil after Secret Wars. I just don't find that part of the character interesting. Like, you know, I don't find yeah. what is he's done with the character interesting at all. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought we'd give, give this a shot and I don't really feel like I need to finish it. It's not... Like, the art by... um, uh, What's his name? Kudransky. Uh Layouts have been done by Riley Brown, who did the cover as well, and I really like the cover. But unfortunately, mm, the art and the inside nice. is by Simon Kodransky. and um, at times it's it's quite good.
3: I think there are some like really really awesome panels, and I actually really like the way that he draws Punisher.
2: Yeah, and he, if he did a Punisher comic or just a regular crime comic, he'd do a great job. But mm. then any time he draws the Daredevil, which is a lot because it's a Daredevil comic, mm. Daredevil looks like this like like ballerina with dislocated knees.
3: Yeah, it's not the most like you sort of expect a certain level of like acrobatic. Grace yes. from Daredevil and, like, power and that kind of stuff. And it <laughs> he does have some awkward landing positions. Yeah, he
2: looks less blind and more paralysed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's trying to, like, like, a, like a baby deer trying to walk for the first time.
3: Yeah, definitely. Some very weird, like, knock-kneed poses. Anyway. But it was comic. Fine.
2: I mean, and yeah. the sad thing is this is probably sell better than the Punisher comic that Becky Clooney put out. No, no way. Come on, guys. So? Okay, cool. I
3: have too much faith in the comic book community. <laughs> we recognise real talent.
2: So that's the bad. And then we've got two first issues this week that are absolutely ugly. Yeah. Um, and they are Alpha King, which came out through Image, um, written by Brian Azzarello and Nick Floyd with art by uh, Simon Bisley, who uh, I would say is an okay artist, but is also credited with drawing by far the worst ever Hellblazer story I've ever read.
3: Oh, really? Yep. Yeah.
2: Um, and,
3: uh, I, quite like, I quite like Simon Bisley, but this does seem very rushed.
2: So it's actually not, even though it just says Alpha King on the front cover, it's not actually called Alpha King. It's called Floyd's Alpha King, Alpha King or something like that um, because it is a, uh, a tie-in to a craft beer company called Floyd's. Mm. Um, so this is an, 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 a, an advertisement. It's a three-issue three st- three advertisement for Floyd's craft beer um, in which we have the main character is a, a, a brewer who brews in his garage and um, criticises people for not putting enough hops in their fucking ale, <laughs> which is just like the opposite of anything I want to read in the character. Um, but while he's brewing his latest batch of whatever disgusting hoppy crap he, he brews, <laughs> he uh, is visited by like, 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 you know, kind of warlords straight out of Heavy Metal or, or World of Warcraft. Yep. And, uh, and they basically like, they, they punch his gold.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Offering his face, in her face. decapitate, nice. Decapitate his cat. Cool. And then they throw him in his keg and he <laughs> like is boiled and then emerges A troll king.
3: Oh, awesome. And then he... You know what? I really want to go drink some craft beer right now.
2: Oh, God. And then he decides he has to go find his lady. (sighs) And that's how this ends. Like, this is, like, just the shittest fucking piece of shit. Fuck.
3: Yeah, when I was going to... I was going (laughs) to... I did pick this up to read. And then when you told me it was, like, an extended craft beer ad, I went, you know what? I don't... I absolutely don't need to read that. I am... Allowing myself to not read that, because that looks like a sack of shit.
2: Yeah, this is absolutely the stinker of the week, and possibly beats that crappy Harley Quinn book as the worst comic we've read since we started the show. Yeah, or yeah and I it? haven't even read it. Because <laughs> we've got one more ugly cat comic to talk about, and this could be the ugliest comic.
3: Yeah, this was another one that I read. I read the first two pages, and I went, you know what? Not for me. Absolutely not for so me.
2: So I read this comic knowing that I would not like it, which yeah. means I probably shouldn't have read it to begin with. Yeah. This is smosh. The kings, the kings of-, of YouTube comedy. Apparently. So these guys are, like, just douchebag YouTube stars that make that put up fairly, like, low-hanging fruit videos on YouTube and rack up millions upon millions of views.
3: They, they've been around for ages, though. Right? Like, I remember my little sister being into them in, like... The early 2000s. So like, they must be old men by now. The
2: best thing they do is like do like raps about the legend of Zelda and stuff oh, like okay. that. Like, you know, and those videos are like at the kind of more okay scale. And then they do just bizarre parodies of
0: it's just It's just
2: terrible. They put out mm. a movie a while ago, which um my friends uh, on a podcast, The Blank Slate Movie Podcast, reviewed. Mm. And uh, if you want to hear someone hate Smosh infinitely more than I do, <laughs> you should listen to that podcast. It's very amusing. Um, uh but I don't even know if it's Smosh or Smoosh or Smoosh whatever. But Duncan. whatever the case is. They have a comic book now. But I don't think anyone working on this comic is in Smosh. Oh really? And I don't know I don't think these are even like callbacks to to skits. I don't understand how this is like a thing that exists. I don't know. Yeah, I... It's I feel like they had like a bunch of shitty comic comedy comics that they needed to t- like tag onto something so people would buy it. And yeah, I just yeah, it really, really bummed me out reading this. Just, just cra- like the first story is like one called Super Virgin Squad.
3: That's one I checked out.
2: And uh, yeah, it's, it's no good. So that was written by Michael McDermott, um, who I've not heard of before. So I was like, oh, maybe he's in Smosh. And looking him up now, no, he is not in Smosh. Um, all right, now I will look up this, the writer of the second one, which is about a guy who buys a car and, and enters a race with a guy who wears really, really short pants. Yeah, I know. It sounds great. Um, This guy's name was Yale Stewart. Oh,
3: my God. Oh, he is notorious. So, he does this um, online webcomic. Obviously, it's an online webcomic called uh, JL8 or something. And it's about what if the Justice League were eight years old and they all went to kindy together and it's really cute. But then he got notoriously exposed for sending like unsolicited dick pics to oh, various classic. women at cons and stuff like that and he has apologised and benefited the doubt to everyone but pretty funny
2: He's that's perfect perfect person to work with these
3: yes yeah. I am yeah I mean I'm just like I didn't read this and now I'm just like flicking through pages and I find it I find it all really offensive like can we all stop pretend like I don't, who are these like freaky virgin nerds that people think read comic books? Like, I don't know any of them. And yeah, I've worked yeah. in a comic book store for like eight years. Like, where are you all hiding? <laughs> Do you just not come into the store and talk to us? Because I feel like it's, I'm, I'm very over it. And yeah. it's just like, juvenile, anti-female bullshit, and I'm over it. Yeah. Sorry.
2: You know, this, 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 this deserves every bit of hate within both of us. Um, I just read a little, quick little interview with the Smosh guys about this comic. Oh, yeah? And uh, wasn't even, it's not even an interview with them. It's with someone who works for them. And it's this, this, this What makes Smosh different from the usual fan humour slash satire comic? Anthony Padilla and Ian Heckox, the creative minds behind the Smosh YouTube channel, have had their fingerprints all over these stories, which means Dirty. it has nothing to do with this, them at all.
3: Yes. Well, I mean, they should I, be very ashamed of themselves. Everyone involved in this should be ashamed of themselves.
2: <laughs> I don't understand why it exists.
3: Who I, asked for this? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like, who's like, oh, I, I love watching these shitty YouTube videos. I wish they had a comic that they didn't actually write.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, give uh, that, yeah, that one a miss. It's good. Like, both, both those comics are the epitome of how ugly a comic can be.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, it is saying a lot that I willingly and happily read all of Lady Death Chaos Rules, issue number one. Overreading smosh super virgin squad
2: you read lady death because i said you should not, yeah <laughs> like as a joke <laughs> and you're like okay so well like, i
3: have this i have this bizarre interest because um lady death is not a xenoscope title it's coffin comics which i think only publish lady death but i find there's this sort of subsection of comics which i find really fascinating because it does really well so like all the xenoscope titles are very like sexy bloody violent alice in wonderland and sexy whatever and i'm they they sell they sell crazy well and so i always think that there's got to be some benefit to them so if there's a jumping on point i at some point in my life i really do want to go and read all of the Grimm's fairy tales stuff because it's just boggles my mind that it's so successful and it has so many female fans and same with lady death she has a huge female following really yeah it's bizarre and this, was the, um, this is an issue that has Lady Death creator Brian Pulido back on the character. And I did read it. I did read it. Um, on Reddit,
2: though. You read it on Reddit.
3: Yes, it was. And it was not good. It was not good. It was what you expected. It's like something out of heavy metal with a sexy lady, and she gets her tits out all the time. And she's a scary magic lady, and she loves fucking and death and like all this
4: stuff and
3: beheading people and it's the only time she feels alive so Um, i flicked
2: through this book and at the very end you have pictures of all the creators behind it yeah and like and the guy who created this character just looks like like the the you know double earringed looking douchebag you would expect to create a character like lady death
3: he looks like a magician
2: but this the, the artist behind this which is the funniest thing to me is uh uh, he he's a very very sweet and timid looking older Indian man. He
3: looks like delightful.
2: And lives he lives in India and is cre- like, considered a comic book rock star. What, that's what the, the bio of him is. Just I don't know. I I guess I, I expected the the, the 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 artist behind this to look like like the worst human ever, and instead yeah, this yeah. guy just looks like like looks, someone I want to hang out with. Yeah, he looks <laughs>
3: delightful. I really want to have a chat to him. And I found that like a lot of the, like the people who work on um, tarot one of the longest running, perviest, funniest comic books of all time in which, like, the lead character has had her vagina haunted and, you know, ridiculous stuff like that. Um, and she always gets, like, tied up and it's ridiculous. But well, they're, they're I mean, lovely look, people and they're really if kind I knew to someone hands. with a vagina,
2: I would tie them up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just put that out there.
3: <laughs> um... But uh, yeah, probably don't read Lady Death Chaos Rules unless you, unless you specifically like those things. Like
2: what, ladies and death?
3: Ladies, death, massive tits, um, scary demons. Uh, they kill the the guy who helps her kill the evil villain was a heroin dealer who somehow through his death smuggled heroin into hell and then used that to kill a demon with overdose.
2: Good stuff. It was great great, great writing.
3: Great first issue. I'll um, be picking up the second issue, yeah, obviously.
2: Anything that continues to keep very sweet-looking Indian men in business is okay by me. <laughs>
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, so, let's move on to uh, the, the regular issues. Uh, mm. Of course, you can pick all these issues up at King's Comics if you like reading them, if you live in Sydney, or you can look on their website, kingscomics.com. Um, that was First Things First. Now, you're on the current issues. And uh, we've got one of the, the comics that, that Siobhan and I have loved the most since it came out at the end mm. of last year, uh, Klaus or Klaus. Do we decide it was going to be called Claus? I think
3: it's probably supposed to be Claus, but I like saying Klaus better.
2: K L A U S. You decide, dear listener. Uh, it's d- written by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. Essentially, the easiest way to describe this is Santa Claus Year One. Yep. Um, and this was a strange issue of it. Last, the last issue, issue four, I thought was the best issue of the series so far. Had me very excited for the wrap up of, of the story. Mm. There's only a seven parter, but this one. Um, This one was a bit of a... I don't know. i wasn't bad, but it was just a a very different comic. Um,
3: Yeah, really different. I think it's one that'll make a lot more sense when read all together. I hope, anyway. Because I found this quite odd and hard to read in some places.
2: Yeah. um, A little bit confusing. Mm. Uh, It felt very Batman Year One, actually. This is probably the one that felt the most kind of, you know, like Batman and taking on more than he can handle. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
3: Things are about to get terrible for... Santa Claus. Oh no!
2: It looks like he's going back to his like mystical garden where um, all the magic shit happened to begin with. So thing might be things might be might be okay.
3: Do you think that the scary goat man on the cover is supposed to be Krampus or whatever that like
2: oh that's spooky a good point.
3: Christmas villain whatever guy is supposed to be? Do you think this is going to be the like the big face-off? Do you think that's what this because part of this is like the um the sort of antagonist of the series who's like stolen clauses woman and his life and whatever and
2: doesn't let kids have toys doesn't let kids
3: have toys he's been listening to like a scary voice through the door and is obviously a demon maybe it's krampus
2: that's a really really good call
3: thanks i'm proud of myself for making (laughs) that connection jinkies
2: (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i'm looking forward to just the end of this uh, like yeah. we said it's it's still very fun grant morrison and, and you know what it wouldn't be a proper grant morrison series if it wasn't at least one issue that didn't make absolutely. entirely a, a, the amount of sense uh cool still good a bit of a a lull in uh, from from what it was in the last hmm. couple issues but i'm sure it will pick up by the, by the end absolutely um
3: one that i read which you didn't read and this is like an odd one because it's sort of um like a compilation kind of series, um, Weird Love, which is put out by IDW. Um, and it's pretty much just bringing some of. I don't, like, I'm obsessed with romance comics. Like, I love 19. Well, I know. We, know, we all
2: know you read comics. Lady Death. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I just love romance. What can I say? Um, but so this is collecting. Um, the editors collect some of the strangest sort of romance comics. Um, and if you have an interest in romance comics, I definitely recommend checking it out because they're really fun in a sort of horrible we hate women kind of way like every single story is about um you know don't be promiscuous because otherwise no man will love you when, so you know, it's an important it's, yeah, it's an important lesson for us all to learn but there's some great classic art if you have a sort of interest in like that kind of weird pulpy stuff i really love it and it's always fun to have a look back and see how far we've come in terms of female representation in comics.
2: And it's beautifully printed. Like you, you, you would have seen, if you bought these comics when they originally came out, it would be on extremely like flimsy, crappy paper with yeah. colours that smudge whenever you touch them. And instead you get them, you know, beautifully restored on, on fantastic thick paper.
3: And there's a really good one in the end about a bullfighter, which I recommend
2: yep, a you, lot. You got a thing for mariachi dudes?
3: Oh yeah, it's the shoulder pads. <laughs> with the little pom-poms all over them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, Black Widow number three Um, this is uh, one of the most popular comics coming out um, from Marvel at the moment written by Mark Waid and Chris Samney who recently did the big Daredevil run I hope
3: it's one of the most popular
2: I don't know why I said that (laughs) I don't know facts but I mean it's it's certainly one of the most talked about Um, anything with black in front of it's very talked about on the internet Black (laughs) Panther Black Widow Um, Black Lightning Oh yeah Yeah, Black Magic People People like Black Magic I love Black Magic (laughs) Um, Alright so uh, Black Widow um, The first issue of this comic Was uh, almost wordless And um, featured Natasha uh, Escaping S.H.I.E.L.D. With a a file That she shouldn't have Um, And then we found out Why she did that In issue two and now we see the uh, length that she's doing to right her wrongs and get this kind of chapter done with mm-hmm. um, as she revisits an old place from her upbringing as a Black Widow um, soldier. Uh, this is, a, again, quite confusing in parts, definitely. Mm. Um, it's a very interesting thing I have not seen done before where you see the the past and the present um, represented on on the in the same panels. So yes. while you have flashbacks of young Natasha um, walking one way in this old house, you have present-day Natasha walk, walking the other way.
3: Yeah, and the only real indication that it's a flashback is a very, a quite subtle palette, colour palette change.
2: Yeah, it was really well done. Really um, well done. I think Chris Semney just has incredible ideas and he's just such a fantastic yeah, storyteller. Wow. Um, it's
3: like, it's one of the most beautiful books. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even look really like... A superhero comic book and the colours are so so beautiful Matt Wilson is doing a brilliant job
2: yeah I mean look it's weird reading this and then thinking that this is the same writer that writes like all new all different Avengers which is like the least yeah. subtle book ever but um the, I, 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 this is like definitely gonna just be one of those great great stories I mean if you I mean Daredevil their run didn't really pan, like end as well as it started I still found it really yeah. enjoyable I thought there was always flashes of brilliance right through to the end but those first 18 issues of Absolutely. Daredevil where we're just knock out like exactly what you want in a in a superhero comic. And I feel like we're going to get, you know, their take on an espionage comic.
3: Yeah. I think this is the Black Widow book that people have been like wanting so badly yeah. for it, so long.
2: And if you watch, you know, the Marvel movies and think, man, I wish Black Widow had her own movie or mm. at least more scenes. Because, you know, I mean, at least the Russo brothers do, do her a favour and do, give her good stuff to do in their movies. Yeah. But um, she deserves so much more. And I think you know Scarlett Johansson does a great job of it, and I feel like that like her portrayal of of Black Widow almost informs how she's portrayed in this comic too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 if you've ever been a fan of Black Widow, you should be reading this comic. It's really, really yeah. great. It's Similarly, great. if you're if you like spy comics
3: absolutely absolutely it's like a straight up espionage comic so i yeah. really highly recommend that
2: we also got issue two of uh moon Knight, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. was it only two weeks ago that issue one came out
3: yeah i'm i'm like this double is shipping is see, awesome yeah this is what's killing us is double shipping <laughs> god damn it marvel
2: especially when you get like and i'll talk about this in a moment with a with a book that hasn't actually been double shipped but you know the the fill-in book issues that mm. change the artist up and almost like you know you get flashes of another story yeah um I, I could I could do without those, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I would rather you just. I love the saga model of doing six issues, yeah. waiting a while, and then coming back it's to like
3: it. It's like the TV model. You don't have to. Who is who? Who is asking for double shipping?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, we're already reading thirty comics a week, Marvel. Yeah, for Christ's sake! And so many of them are yours. Yeah. Um, so, Moon Knight number two, that said, was awesome. Oh, and really, good. really great Holy to read. Yeah, um, I can't wait for the next issue. <laughs> so, this is written by Jeff Lemire with art by um, uh, Greg Smallwood and colors by Geordie Belair, the best colorist in the game right now. Yep.
3: Um, oh, they like all of the sort of weird magic world sort of. Uh, stuff where he's talking to
2: the Magic World stuff,
3: of course. <laughs> no. um, yeah. You know who I mean. When he's inside his head, yeah. When he's inside his head, uh, head with, it's with, very, with, it's very Sandman, isn't it?
2: It's super. Yeah, you, you, you said in uh, two weeks ago that mm. it was very much like reading an early Vertigo book, and mm. definitely that is in in part with uh, Greg Smallwood's art, but especially it's the coloring. Mm. Like Absolutely. I just think she 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 brings such a different kind of style to all the books that she colors, and this might be her best. Yeah. Um, Especially coming off the back of the Declan Shalvey and Warren Ellis Moon Knight run mm. last year, this is—it's definitely its own thing. It's about um, uh, Moon Knight, aka Mark um, Spector, being stuck in this very old-fashioned feeling um, lunatic asylum, and uh, being convinced that ev- all the Moon Knight stuff never happened. It's all in his head, and he's insane. And then he realizes, as the comic continues, that no there's so much more to to what's going on than what he's currently seeing. Realizes that all the inmates are people from his past, almost his like little mm-hmm. you know, Moon Knight squad, mm-hmm. and they uh, stage an escape. And uh, this is the part two of a five-part kind of intro arc to this series that Jeff Lemire is writing. And uh, it's just great, great superhero comic books, man.
3: Absolutely. Really it's good a, fun.
2: And it's very, very, you know, not grounded, but limited in the the... It's not trying to hit on every single part of the marvel universe like some books are trying to do this is yeah. very like you know it's moon knight's
3: world and it's not like a massively expansive story either like it it, it does sort of go across what like dimensions yeah. but it's still quite self-contained and i really enjoy that
2: definitely and i feel like that's exactly what moon knight needs
3: yeah for sure he just kind of exists outside the rest of the marvel universe yeah it's a really really moment. great run
2: get on board if you are not already on board because it's Absolutely. one of the best books marvel putting out at the moment um let's leave marvel for a moment mm-hmm. and uh, talk about vertigo so I didn't, I, we, I didn't read any DC books, but I did read two Vertigo books. So that kind of counts. Mm. I did try to read all of um, Midnighter um, mm. because the new issue of that came out. And um, Lynn at King's uh, swears by that book being amazing. She says um, it's incredible. I, uh, I really like Steve Orlando and I like the character of Midnighter from uh, all the uh, old, was old, old book he used to be of. The Authority. Mm. I really liked The Authority. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, there was that many comics this week, plus all of the Free Comic Book Day stuff. I didn't get a chance to read seventeen <laughs> issues at midnight to catch up. So sorry. Um, but uh, I did read Unfollow um, by Rob Williams with fill-in uh, artist uh, Marguerite Savage. Oh,
3: she did um, the issue of Scholar Witch this week. Oh wow, which was crazy. excellent.
2: Awesome. Um, what, how do you pronounce her last name? I mean, because you know oh, I'm, how, how much I'm a stickler for pronouncing things properly on this podcast. I just yeah. lose sleep every time I mispronounce something. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is following the mold of, I mean, lo- lots of books have done it. But in recent, recent uh, years, um, you've seen uh, Sex Criminals and Southern Bastards. Um, they'll, they'll do the first few arcs. Or like you know maybe like two arcs. First ten issues will follow the story as it goes along, but then they'll kind of take a take a step back, and you'll just have issues focusing on one character at a time within the story. That um, slowly progresses the story, but really you're just getting insight as to what makes this character tick. And I do enjoy it when books do that, mm. especially if it comes off off the back of a really heavy arc. But this this book Unfollow is only seven issues in, and you right. we got one of these stories last month, um, which right. was really great. But and we're getting the same thing, focusing on a completely different character for this one issue, this month too. I'm not sure how many more months they're going to keep doing this for. It's still really, really great. I'm um, also The Wicked and Divine did that recently as well. Mm-hmm. But all those books that did it did it after you know like at least ten issues. I feel mm. like um, maybe not Southern Bastards, but uh, I don't know. I just felt a bit more deserved. I, I want to see more of this universe and the actual story before we just kind of focus on one character at a time with a completely different artist, even yeah. though we're getting great. Like we got Raphael Albuquerque and this week we've got Marguerite Salvage. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, it's great artists, but I, I, I the, the main story of unfollow is, is fascinating to me. And I really want to, I really want to see it move forward in the way of that first arc. Yeah. Mm. It's still very enjoyable. This is still one of the best books I'm reading each month, but uh, I wish it was even better. Go? That's good. Um, similarly, actually not similarly. Um, as well as unfollow, I read, uh, another vertigo book that I'm loving at the moment, the sheriff of Babylon written by, uh, Tom King with art by Mitch Gerrards. And, um, I've said it before. This is like just perfection when mm. it comes to like a, you know, a crime comic set in the middle East. Um, and it's during, um, the, the, the uh, what do you call it the, the, the
3: Iraq War. Iraq
2: war? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, it's just like it's unlike anything I've ever read before. This issue was completely like heartbreaking, real kick to the gut mm. um, that you kind of see coming as well. You know how Vertigo are the kings of that? Is like you like yeah. You're like, oh no, that person's not. Oh, it's ha- oh it happened. Oh, oh, no. Fuck. oh god. And then, but you know, it just it just the characters in this are, are, are amazing. The story is unpredictable. And it's very bleak and, you know, it's not a, it doesn't leave you with a really happy feeling after you read re- each issue, but it's an unbelievable story. And the fact that it comes from, like, quite a real place with Tom King's mm. military and, and, and CIA background, like, I don't know, it's, I just think this is one of the most unique and, and important books coming out right now.
3: It's so interesting to me as well because Tom King's series are so vastly different like he doesn't yep. seem like everything he writes is really interesting but there's not anything that i'd be like oh yeah like you could pick it immediately that's a tom king book yeah um and he's uh, you know i believe very strongly that you shouldn't really read that many interviews by comic book people that you respect because sometimes it can ruin them for you like um, james robinson like james robinson or nick spencer <laughs> a whole list of people I, I did read an interview with tom king the other day and he was a delight he yep. seemed lovely. He he's seemed, got kids, right? He's got kids. He seemed really like he just always wanted to write comics and then went into the CIA sort of just for whatever reason um, and then came back to comics and just loves it. Like, he's like, I know that like doing creator and stuff is awesome and everything but like i can't not be excited that i get to write batman and i can't not be excited to get to write for marvel and dc like that's what i want to do those are the characters that i want to play around with and it's kind of refreshing to hear someone talk. yeah like that. definitely like i'm
2: uh, like if you're even slightly concerned of uh, you know this writer that that hasn't really has you know relatively young in his career as a comic mm. book writer um is now taking on dc's flagship character this is like one issue of this is all you need to be yeah. convinced or or vision or um, the Amiga Man. He's just yeah. Uh, he's easily my favorite writer of the year so far. Yeah. I'm. He hasn't even launched his fucking Batman series yet. I'm like, I, I, I want to. I can't wait to rectify all these DC DC books that we're yeah. not reading when Rebirth comes out, and just especially that. Like more than anything, I, I, I'm so excited for yeah. his take on Batman.
3: I'm very excited about that.
2: Yeah. Sheriff Babylon, please. I think the first trade comes out next month, or maybe even this month. So uh, please pick it up when it does. They've just finished the first arc. And uh, what, a, what a kick to the dick it is. <laughs> 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 um, Empress. Mm. Uh, we were at issue one last month. Uh, Mark Millar and Stuart Immonen, a little bit of a space mm. drama. <sighs> yeah, man. After all of uh um, Mike creator own stuff on, on image, mm. especially Starlight, which was a you know a space drama that was just perfection mm. uh, with Gordon Parlov, um this is just like yeah, working well,
3: with Stuart Eminent as well, like he's so good and he's having like like all of the character designs are so fun and it looks like he's having so much fun, but it's just not that compelling.
2: Well, and not not much happens in each issue. Yeah. So you I mean, yeah, we we we're still following the lives of uh of the, the queen escaping her horrible dictator king um, and taking her, her, her kids and her bodyguard with her.
3: But I don't care about her yet. So far she seems like generic woman.
2: And we don't really get like B stories or C stories within no. this, which is what normally what makes, you know, these kind of comics good. You know, the, 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 to have that full melodrama of like a space opera kind of vibe, mm. you can't just follow on the main cast of characters. And yeah, I, I don't know, the, like the art is beautiful. Um, Yeah, And hilariously, like, you know, in this book, you have a very sexy queen and Mm. a very sexy young daughter and like, but instead the sexiest character in this is like a graying male bodyguard (laughs) who just like, you know, he's a a silver fox who leaps through the air. And uh, yeah, he's he's, he's gorgeous. Yeah, Um,
3: he's a beautiful man. I do not have a problem with that.
2: uh, And also it it like has just one of the dumbest, uh, second dumbest, uh, Mm. not quite Moonstone getting a fucking stone ripped out of a chest by a six-year-old but uh the 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 final page on this is just like come on dude like it's just just... like it's not really a cliffhanger like a a massive beast isn't gonna eat this baby yeah or i'm gonna stop reading your stupid comic yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, i don't know like i'm I'm, I'm, i still have faith in this comic being you know it's still readable but
3: yeah i'm gonna give it one more issue oh wow cool That but is how that's that's th- I'm reading too many comics. I have to be really severe. I'm gaming it one more. All right.
2: So that's Empress issue two. Hopefully, it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, we still, you know, it just feels like such, such little has happened.
3: I know. It just seems like a waste. The threat
2: of the king isn't really there either. No. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Anyway. anyway blah. Whatever.
2: Uh, Poe Dameron number two. Another one came out through Marvel. Um, I uh, did not like the first issue, and I kind of like this one a bit more yeah, by I Charles Sewell and Phil Noto. One. Um, again, it's just one of those Star Wars books where not much happens, but I feel like that's what Star Wars fans want. If you mm. want to uh, see deep into the mind of uh, someone who cares far more deeply about the Star Wars canon than they do about, uh, you know, comic book antics, uh, you should listen to the last episode of my other podcast, Hey Fam. Uh, we had Steel Saunders on who does the uh, podcast Steel Wars. And um, right. we had spent about an hour talking about the Star Wars comic books and how... While, like, the main Star Wars comics are inter- entertaining, they make him want to, like, punch the punch <laughs> Jason Aaron in the face because oh. he's doing all these things that kind of almost spoil parts of the movies yeah, because right. they are canon, you know? They're these What he's seeing in these comics, you know, this blockbuster comic that has to appeal to everyone and be, like, the biggest selling comic Marvel has mm. is, you know... By giving you know characters lightsabers, that just didn't have lightsabers, or <laughs> yeah. having Luke and Darth Vader like see each other way too many times between Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back, yeah, like, I feel yeah, you know, I, I understand his frustrations. I just want to read a good story, yeah, and be entertained. But I don't know. I feel like I, there's yet to be a comic that we can both agree on is a really really good comic beyond the um the little one shots within the Star Wars uh main comic where um Jason Aaron looks back at the um early life of Obi-Wan Kenobi before oh, a new hope yeah. happens. Uh,
3: he liked that one. Loves
2: that stuff. And I love that stuff too. They're really, really great comics. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's weird to me that we either get these like pretty boring, like, I mean, like it's not a bad comic, this comic, but it is, it's is—it's a bit boring. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, it's yeah. a Star Wars book. Why am I kind of bored? Yeah, um, I feel that.
3: I think, I kind of almost think that, like, I love um, Phil Noto who's doing the art on this and I think he does and like, he does great um, likenesses of people from movies. I think he draws great- a very beautiful Poe. Yeah, but he's not he I, he's not great at action. So there's not like he's it's not very excitingly paced. The sort of fight scenes don't really pop like that.
2: Yeah, I would definitely not get Phil Noto drawing, I mean, even though he draws a great spaceship. It's just like it, he, it looks very still, doesn't it? Yeah, he's like, an illustrator his, like, so I, so I really his loved his Black
3: Widow stuff, but mostly for the beautiful sort of definitely. That's the, that's the best pages. his art has ever looked, but yeah. that,
2: that that book was boring.
3: Yeah, yeah. The action was not there in the way that it is with Chris Samnee's.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. These Star Wars books are weird. It really made me think that oh shit, maybe these like goofy Star Wars comics that I really enjoy. Mm. Like, you know, we spoke about how much we love those like evil versions of C three PO and yeah. stuff like that. And like, he was just like, no, no, <laughs> like, no, it's not that doesn't exist in Star Wars. It's zany. Fuck that. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, the new Avengers. Um, I, I kept reading this one. This is by Al Ewing and um, art by there's a fill-in artist, um, Sandoval, I don't know who that is, but um, oh yeah, uh, That's right. yeah. I I kept reading this after kind of enjoying them in the standoff event. Um, and this book is okay. It mm. kind of doesn't really know what it wants to be. It's like goofy and fun in some parts with Squirrel Girl and stuff, and like the main villain of this. But then. There's a bigger picture going on, which is like trying to be dark and mysterious, and you know, lots of agents double-crossing people and blah mm. blah blah. And I, I don't know. I just don't think it's very successful in what it's trying to do. I don't because I don't know what it's trying to do. Yeah, I, I feel there like there are I'm, so many Avengers books at the moment, and, and none I, of them are great. Yeah, like, yeah.
3: I mean, it's got to be hard. Like Hickman Hickman's run on all the Avengers stuff was so huge and iconic, and that's got to be really hard to follow up. Um, but it just seems like they don't know what to do with The Avengers now.
2: Well, I mean, the one book that kind of feels similar in theme to to Hickman's stuff, but still it's very much its own voice, is The Ultimates, yeah. which I think I would recommend that for sure. But yeah, all new, all different Avengers, The New Avengers and Uncanny Avengers. I mean, even that said, like The New Avengers is infinitely better than the other two books, mm, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what what the Avengers books are doing. I mean, at least they're not the fucking X-Men, X-Men books at the moment, yeah. which just don't, don't interest me whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels so weird, you know, we've praised two Jeff Lemire books in this um, episode, but, uh,
3: what was the other Jeff Lemire book?
2: I feel like something else coming up, maybe, well, maybe I, maybe yeah. I just thought of something cool that Jeff Lemire did that I want to read. Was cool though. He I was like cool. Him. But like, you know, him, him on those kind of books are just,
3: mm.
2: and fun. Yeah,
3: yeah, I agree. I, think, I, mean, I
2: feel like, you know, it, it, it takes a very special kind of writer to be able to handle a team book.
3: Absolutely. Especially something that's as high impact. Like, I mean, I always think about um, James Robertson's run on Justice League, which was like so appalling. Oh, really? So bad. So bad. Um, Um, Pre-52. Man, it was really terrible. And it was he was very vocal about the fact that there was a lot of editorial influence on what he was doing and it meant he didn't have access to the characters that he wanted to use. He wasn't allowed to do certain storylines because they didn't pass editorial stuff. And that is something that you have to work around when you're in sort of mainstream superhero comics and you're on a book like that. Um, And some people maybe deal with that better than others. Um, I sort of feel like the Avengers are kind of going through a stage like that where there's a lot of
2: oh because they've got they've got the I mean I, yeah I, I shouldn't really criticize because they've I, they've just come off a of standoff and then yeah. the standoff has just finished and Civil War I think starts next week. Uh. Um, so I mean, like it must crap. it must be hard. You can't really do anything major with with your stories. Yeah, but, exactly. I mean, Mark Wade's generally pretty good at just doing good stories that don't affect the, the team or the characters that much yeah. in the future. But you know, they're good and contained. I have been disappointed. And that said, by like him. like the new Avengers team, like no, like the t- it's like who wants to do something big with Squirrel Girl, Hulkling, Wiccan, Hawkeye, Songbird, Sunspot, White Tiger, Power Man, and someone called Pod? Like quite that-
3: Like all those characters, but they it's but a weird like a, team. Well, that's
2: what I mean. Like that, that like that's a team of like. There's definitely no editorial challenges, you know. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. One, no one's doing anything major with them and outside of these books, maybe Hawkeye. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It just feels weird. I, I must be because there's like I, I read the previews magazine for next next month, mm. and it's just there's so much. Everything's just tying into Civil War. Oh. Just I'm really. I'm even though we read so many Marvel books, mm. I reckon we might see a few books drop just because yeah. of the Civil War. <coughs> Civil War two, sorry. Yeah. I just yeah I'm. That, that zero issue from, um, that was part of the Free Comic Book Day sampler mm-hmm. just did not give me any faith in this event whatsoever.
3: No. I mean, lovely to see Jim Chung. Always a delight.
2: Oh, the art on those books is always amazing. I mean, But
3: it did look like not not a book that I'm especially interested in reading. I
2: just can't... You can't I can't trust Bendis anymore.
3: No, you really can't. He's bringing out a new Alias series, apparently. Uh, um, listener, Daniel... Let us know that because we were like, oh, I wonder if there'll be a new Ellie series. Yes, there will. So I'll be interested to see that how yeah. that goes. But yeah, I don't have that much faith in him these days, unfortunately.
2: But his books sell, man. That's his. Why? thing. Who's still? Who's, who, are, are you, who out oh, there? Is anyone listening? Who is a Bendis fan? Please let us know what we're not seeing. Maybe maybe, maybe we just sent something to click in our brain, and we'll be like, oh, that's what he's trying to do. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. he's a just, really nice guy.
2: He's the king of just setting up things that don't amount to anything.
3: Yeah, just a whole bunch of chat. <laughs> And then a bunch of actions smushed into one one thing. And everyone sounds the same. And everyone's so bantery. And yeah. No yeah. good. Anyway.
2: Um, uh, by the way, we've got a, a few corrections to things we've said in the past on episodes. Oh, yeah. On Facebook. Oh, yeah. And I love that. If yeah, we say something you. wrong, please just head straight to our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast and correct us. Yeah. Because
3: I think, like, I mean, there is there are so many comic books out there there are 75 years worth of history and if anyone knows everything about everything then I have you know you have I'm very impressed but we all have our areas of expertise and it's always good to be um to I like I like to be corrected aiming for perfection so you know
2: and just quickly, we've also got the latest uh, All New on Humans by uh, James Asmus. Um, I was not enjoying this when it started, but now I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I like this. I yeah, this issue
3: was a like this was a great issue, I really think. Stefano Caselli is the artist, and I think he's he's done a really brilliant job here. And considering it's characters that I know nothing about and don't care about, like it's all new in humans and in humans that I'm not super familiar with, like Gorgon... Um, but it's so fun. Like, we we see a whole new Inhuman society. It feels very... You said before that it feels very Kirby-esque, and I, I agree.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, like, I feel like this is the opposite of the Avengers. The, the, hmm. Both All New Inhumans in, in and Uncanny Humans are examples of team books handled very well. Everyone's yeah. extremely different with crazy different powers. But, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like he, he knows how to balance it all.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. I feel kind of weird that the inhuman books are all so good
2: yeah I mean which kind of goes against like everyone it feels like everyone's like stop trying to make the inhumans a thing marvel just make the x-men and then mm. just I don't know maybe this is this is all a tactic
3: yeah yeah I think it is but
2: they've canceled the inhumans movie now so maybe that's not the end game anymore
3: mm, weird.
2: Um, we also had radioactive uh, spider gwen which is another chapter in the spider women event which um I have become increasingly less interested in. I
1: still
3: like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, um, Siobhan has said in the past that the female spider characters are infinitely more interesting than the male ones, and mm. I definitely agree with you. Um, I really like Cindy Moon, Silk. Yeah. I think she's really cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just... This is... Yeah, it's it's by, it's far from a bad book. I, yeah, I know it's I know not that too it's, much, it's, but like... No,
3: it's, it's, it's one of those ones that, like, it's definitely not at the top of your pile. It's not at the bottom... But it's a, like, it's a solid thing, and I think the Spider-Women run has been really good fun. It's definitely one that I'll recommend for people looking for like, a little standalone spider book with some female characters. Um, and I really like the art in this issue. I think it's really, it's really cute.
2: Every, actually, every book in this has had a very like, different artist to what you would normally expect from a, uh, from yeah. a, from a superhero comic.
3: But I've enjoyed it all.
2: Yeah, actually, I, I I did enjoy this a lot more than the other issue of Spider Gwen that w- that was part of this event. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I I think I do like Jason Latour as a writer after all. <laughs> um and I like um spoiler t- little spoiler, Mockingbird shows up at the end, so I like that she's going to cool. be part of the end of this. We've only got two more issues left. Actually, you know what? Maybe that's okay. There's only two more issues left yeah. in this event. I think it could be okay. <laughs> um. Cool. Is that everything we want to talk about?
3: I think that was everything. Uh, I just want to say, again, thanks to everyone who came down for Free Comic Book Day. It was probably our biggest year ever. Um, And everyone was uh, such a delight. You know, we, we don't usually... We don't have many, like difficult king's customers but everyone on the day was totally happy to wait in line and it was a long line um and we really appreciate that and thanks to everyone for making it such a fun day
2: yeah and thanks to everyone who uh, who spoke to me in the line let me interview them yep um i hope you enjoyed hearing yourself at the beginning of this episode uh and thanks so much to dean rankin for uh, yes. drawing siobhan and i like simpson's characters
3: and for being just one of the loveliest people in comics like it was. I had such a delightful day because I just got to chat to Nicola for all. Yeah, and Nicola
2: Scott was there um, signing books, and uh, she had
3: some unbelievable pages of Black Magic man, up for sale, which I was, almost like, kind well, of I didn't dropped know. a few thousand. Like, yeah. yeah. So easy to do, and not
2: just Black Magic. Like obviously, like the beautiful, like even like you know double page spreads from Black Magic. She was selling the yeah. original art from, but she also had like stuff from Teen Titans, yeah. a Wonder Woman cover, uh, all the original stuff just
4: there.
3: Just amazing, yeah. And she is she is one of the loveliest people. And Mark Sexton, who we also had, was such a joy to have. Um, so thanks to those yeah. guys for coming down, and thanks to Dean for sketching us the Simpsons um, Simpsons. Versions of ourselves Yeah you can,
2: you can see that On our um, Facebook page Just facebook.com Slash serious issues podcast um, We would love hearing from you If you mm-hmm. saw us at uh, Free comic book day A few people listened to the podcast And really enjoyed it um, so I really appreciate hearing from you and um, if you have any ideas for us to uh, focus on in, in the future, if there's anyone that you've ever met at King's Comics that you would like to know more about, <laughs> we, can, uh, we, can, we can have them on in a future episode. Uh, Siobhan's now got the uh, massive day of Free Comic Book Day out of the way so we can focus Phew. on making this podcast super, super great. Not that it isn't already. Yeah, no, come on, guys. But, uh, you know, it get, it, it, this podcast gets better with, uh, with you getting in touch with us and, and, you know, creating a community around it. So please uh, send us, you know, emails to uh, seriousissues at kingscomics.com or write to us at facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast. And uh, if you like what you already heard, please leave us a nice review on iTunes um, as we reach a lot more listeners when you do that. So thanks guys. Thanks so much. And we will be back next week. Do you want to talk about actually, we're going to recommend some issues for you to pick up this week. I wrote them all down. Yeah. There's some, uh, so it's, it's actually a much quieter issue next week. So we're going to spend some time um, actually answering some questions that we've been sent Mm -hmm. to our email address next week. So um, if you want to get in there, King's comics, sorry, uh, serious issues at kingscomics.com. Ask us a question. Um, so next week This week, sorry You, you should try and pick up um, The second season of Kaiju Max By Xander Cannon yeah. Comes out through Oni Press um, We get the return of Archie um, The return of Vision We got a new Vision Ooh. one by Tom King Our beloved Tom King um, The second issue of The Fix By Nick Spencer That we really, really liked um, The second issue of Black Panther as well Excellent um, So not many Only two new issues that I could see oh, like issue, issue number one's uh, coming out like, this week And of course the last issue of Batman Scott Snyder, um, mm. with Raphael Everkirky doing a lot of art in that one. So. Oh, and
3: I will check that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: there will be at least one uh, DC comic next week. Oh, and uh, most excitingly, the return of Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Looks like we're finally going to uh, see the daughter return to the town, and uh, who knows what's like, what's gonna that's gonna bring. Very Super exciting. exciting. So uh, thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues, and we will see you next week.
3: Thanks, guys. <laughs>
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.